Good evening. Good evening, Adrian. How are you? Yes, I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? First, milling the air from the new house and for a new year. First, yes, first milling air from a new house, first for the new year. Um, I still have got my cold, so there might be some going on mute because I'm coughing like a good one. But I just wanted to do this and talk to you. So there we go. First one. And uh, I think we should tell the waiting audience that we actually met IRL on Sunday, which was... Which no, was we did. We did. So, yeah, it's my second time looking at you in a week, which is just such a treat. And it was amazing to come and see you in your very otherworldly house. <laughs> because Mov lives in a fairy house in the woods. <laughs> Well, more more like in a field, but hey. It looks made up. It looks made up. It, yeah, it is, yes. Unreal, perhaps. I don't know. Unreal, like proper old style thatched cottage. Incredible. It'll be slightly more incredible when the repairing thatcher has, has mended the hole in the roof. But let us move swiftly on from that. Yeah, what does something like that cost? I don't like to think about it. Less than you'd think, I think. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I yeah. was going to say 20 grand. I uh, shouldn't think so. Right, okay. But um, uh, anything involving an expert doing a job is always not cheap. But um, Yeah, right. So, but not outrageous, I hope. Um, but anyway, thinking about men that can do things, um, we did say <laughs> last time we spoke that we would talk a bit about men. And, yes. And because I accidentally said an incredibly harsh thing last time. Um, accidentally. Which isn't, which doesn't really, <laughs> which doesn't, certainly doesn't reflect um, my experience. Um, no. I'm very far from being a misandrist. Um, but I do think that it is possible that we have created a society where it's quite difficult to be a man. I think we have. I think we have for quite a few reasons. And I think actually the, the patriarchy has something to answer to for that. Um quick coughing break Hold when you say the patriarchy do you yeah. mean the idea of the patriarchy or the or that there is actually such a thing as the patriarchy i think there was um I, I so when i'm talking about the patriarchy i mean the system that was created to cater to the top three percent of men yeah yeah, so, yeah. you know yes. your lords yeah. your kings your your, your people that benefit from those top echelons of power, which did contain some women, for sure. But yeah. it, it, if we look at history, it's inarguable that that, that top layer of men yes. benefited massively um, from a system that was geared towards delivering things to them. I think that the patriarchy didn't serve the other 97% of men particularly well yeah, because it has created an environment where men feel like they're damned if they do, damned if they don't, that they feel yeah. like they're being silenced, that they feel like things are increasingly out of their control. And there are lots and lots of different reasons for that, I think. If, obviously, we have um, quite a big social and political shift now. And I, I think that misandry is something which is incredibly present and, and not discussed enough. Now, when we go into this, I also think it's really important just to to stop the whataboutism. Yes. In talking about how things are difficult for men, we're not saying things aren't difficult for women. Yeah. We know they have been. 
yeah we know I, they still are in a great many ways it, it's you know you, you can talk about the struggles for men without minimizing the the what's difficult for women and that's not what we're doing but but i i think one thing that is uh difficult about today for both mm. genders is the idea that uh the the idea that essentially there is some element of sort of class-based as in um the section of society you belong to competition so you either support men or you support women and you right. know those 97 percent of people who were being stuffed under previous patriarchal regimes they worked very closely in their family units with yeah. their brothers but also their sisters and their mothers and their aunts and their wives and um i think we've i think when we actually think of people's gender identity as being of course it's crucial but um there are also bonds that cut across that bonds of kinship bonds of friendship bonds of community and maybe um, maybe some of the rhetoric around rights for women and rights for men cut across the creation of natural bonds i don't know i know they do and you're completely right because i've i've actually done some research for this one and i went in and i, I read some articles i've got some sources that i'll tell you about in a minute and and so many of the i want to say criticisms but that's not quite right that the concerns that men put forward about how women pigeonhole them or tar everyone with the same brush or whatever, I also hear being said about men towards yeah. women. Mm. So I think that what we have is, you know, as you've said, it's been put forward like it's this um, battle of uh, cats and dogs. Yeah. Whereas actually everyone, it's just people problems. People yes. do these yes. things, right? Mm-hmm. And... um but we are living under some societal umbrellas and and some perceptions, but also some tropes, you know, because at the end of the day, sweeping generalizations about men aren't helpful, but sweeping generalizations also don't come from nowhere. No, no. So then you so, do have yeah. some, some rooted behaviors and some historical things that have gone on, which of course make it hugely difficult for men today, because who wants to be considered a potential rapist just for walking down the road at night? when mm. you're just going to get some cigarettes or something. I mean, that yeah. would be bloody awful. Mm. But I've also, I heard that there was an analogy on Facebook <coughs> and it was actually put forward in, in the context of sexual assault. And, and it's hopefully for any men listening would help to contextualise why women might react in the way that we do sometimes. We should say that if I gave you a bag of Maltesers and I said that one of those Maltesers was actually rolled up dog shit covered in chocolate. You would know that not every Malteser was bad, but mm. you'd have to be wary of all of them. Yes, yes, that's a that's a very, very that's a very good um, that's a very good uh, analogy, and that works very well. But I think something else that is the case is that um, we've created. Uh, and in many ways it's something to rejoice about um a fluid global society where people move from where they grew up to where they want to be and when you think about the relations between men and women um a lot of the um the rules of let's say the rules of dating and we're talking about in-person dating for the moment because 
we'll perhaps go on to the online world a bit later. But but in-person dating relies on a lot of um, understanding of patterns of behaviour and cues. Yes. Uh, so if you go to such and such a place on a Friday night, you know there'll be a bit of dancing and the chances are that you might get asked for a slow dance if you're in that kind of setup, right? Yeah. So you know, if you cannot think of anything worse than a random person asking you for a slow dance, then don't go there on a Friday That's night. That's not the environment for you, yeah. Yeah. And what we've done um, is we've given the uh, the sort of the whole um, social kaleidoscope a big shake and new patterns yes. are forming. But... Um, they contain um, they contain varieties of behaviour that are more or less acceptable, and people don't necessarily mean to send the messages that they are sending. Yes. And you know, it might be it might be that you dress in a particular way because that's what you do when you're going out with your girlfriends. Yeah. Yeah. But it may be that someone else thinks it means you're looking for alert. Yeah. And yeah. That does that's in no way um, excusing creepy behaviour, and I n notice I'm I'm kind of setting it at creepy, way below assault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it means that we are almost shouting at each other in different languages sometimes. Ah, uh -huh. so that's difficult. So I think because the whole dress code thing comes up a lot, and this is where I'm really in danger of going back the other way and being like well men need to just understand blah 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 yeah because no one's ever been asking for it by putting on a miniskirt unless you're yeah. actually asking for it at which point she'll say yes please yeah i think that yes there there is that potential for setting up a social key which could be misread yeah i think that there is some nervousness by osmosis because of the entitlement that men have historically yes. felt regarding yes. access to women yeah because even if she's nearly naked she says don't touch me please that just no means no doesn't no, it exactly. and you're then exactly. not entitled to call her a slut or anything and i think that or or, or or take an action which is counter to her wishes i think that some of the attitude not all of them and there are genuine genuine difficulties for men which we are going to talk about which i have big sympathy with and that i think we could be doing more to address i think that some of the outcry against women or against feminism is a reaction to the removal of entitlement yes i think that's which true. is always going to be difficult yes for anybody We've seen it amongst white populations at the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. And people went, all lives matter. Yeah, we know. That's not the point. I suppose I suppose the thing I'd ask, and this is a bit of sort of speculative historical sociology, which is a very bad thing. How much free access to women's bodies did a man have living in Mid Wales in 1870 when his life was ruled by his parents at the chapel? Very little. Yeah, Very and I think we get back to the ninety-seven and the three. If if he could persuade, a friend of mine once said he remembered thinking when he was in his early teens, 
if I ever get to be in the same room, room as a woman who's taking her top off, I'll be winning at life. <laughs> and and he, by the way, not, not an unattractive man. He just thought the odds. So I wonder, and I think even back to the 60s, the people that had the access to women's bodies were the DJs. Not the blokes yes. working beside you in, in, you know, Morris Motors. I, I and, think for the entitlement thing, it's not um, necessarily just about bodies, but also about behaviour and what you think you can say. So I've got two examples from yeah, the last on. week of this. So on actually day before New Year's Eve, we were driving to Wales to yeah. climb Cribgoch. And I received a WhatsApp from a former colleague yeah. saying, hi, lovely. I love your profile picture. You can sit on my face any day. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. Because no, I couldn't. No. So, all right, I blocked him and whatever, that's fine. Mm. But the balls on it. Yeah. No prior contact, sexual contact between me and this yeah. person. No. no prior conversations of any, we, we worked together, mm. then we didn't. Mm. And I thought that was pretty stunning. And then another one was in Tesco's and a guy came up to me. Now, this is not to say that you can't give compliments because you absolutely can. Compliments are wonderful. And it's yeah. the, the compliment he gave me first is the reason that I ended up in a conversation. He came over and said, your hairstyle is just lovely, really suits you. Mm. I said, oh, thank you. And then went. And then he came up to me again and said, you know, you're just so lovely looking. Can I have your number? Brave, polite. Mm. fine this is all fine okay yeah. up to now I said oh no not single but thank you very much he then said okay add me to your Instagram then if you're ever feeling bad you can call me and for me that that's where it went over a line yes yes because yes. it's like I've registered your no yeah. and I'm still going to stand here and try and make you add me make you add me on social media because yeah. I'm not accepting your no that's what I mean yes. by entitlement. Yeah. Do you see well, the very yes. distinct difference? So I'm not I'm not out here saying that men can't compliment women. We love it. Please compliment us. And actually, women compliment men. If he looks sharp, tell him. Yeah. You know, just just listen to what you're being told and believe it. But I wonder too, and I'm very I, I think I'm more this direction than you are by far. In the absence of Let's say you're a young man growing up in a situation where you don't happen to have two feisty cousins living next door, right. uh, female cousins who um, give you a slap if they think you're out of line. Right. Day, and you start looking at porn when you're 10. Right. The number of hours, the research on the number of hours, the average young man spends watching porn is actually quite terrifying. Not because he's spending so much time doing porn. It's just because how much time does he have for other ordinary interactions? So yeah. I'm going to say that that I think the entitlement doesn't necessarily come from looking at the nice alto when you're sitting in Capel Penuel in 1870, thinking, gosh, if only she'd take her bonnet off. I wonder what colour the back of her head is, right? <laughs> I think if the if the images of women that you see continually, you're not even sitting down watching EastEnders with your mum anymore. Right. You're upstairs watching awful things, yeah? And 
Um, the reason I say awful things is because if you look at the searches on Pornhub, the top five are incest. Yes. And and then then there's young girls learning at the next five, which is, you know, nasty stuff. But, you yeah, know, yeah, no, yeah, romantic, so not, not... romantic erotica is way down on the list. And so my, my point sure. really is that saturated by the idea of permanent availability, you've got to have something really smart about you to not get a feeling of entitlement, um, which isn't to say you shouldn't, as a man, especially by the time you're over 25, be able to to understand that is in your head and that it is not good and it does not act out in real life. Yeah, uh, so I'm actually going to agree with you on this, which I don't usually about porn. We've clashed yeah. on porn before because um, I'm not anti-pornography. Actually, I think it can be a lovely thing. You are onto something in terms of the type of content and the different ways in which men and women are treated in those videos. Hmm. Not so much in gay porn, um, but in, in heterosexual porn, it is... There's a huge disparity in the attractiveness between men and women. Mm. The men are not usually not completely shown. Right. You'll see the penis, the back, the buttocks, that'll be it. Excuse me, I have to cough. Yeah. Whereas the woman is fully on display. And the woman will be moved around and positioned and used much more like an object. Mm. Now, there is some of that that will echo real life because during lovemaking, the man does has the penis and therefore is probably going to do most of the moving. But I think the attitudes behind it, it, in a situation where a person doesn't have frames of reference in real life, which will be true about a young man who yeah. won't be experienced with an actual person yet, I think that that could warp the sense of what to expect when he actually gets there. Yes. And yes. how these things do work. And I think it does also portray um, a reality or a perceived reality where there's a lot more banging going on than maybe there is. Yes. <laughs> because, yes. you know, you've got these channels where a guy drives a taxi and a girl gets in and then the thing just happens. Mm. And that's just not how it is. Um yeah. So I, I think that there could be some expectation. There is definitely an impact on sexual function because there is a rise in the inability of young men to orgasm because they've masturbated too much and there's something called death grip where they, they grip mm. the penis too hard. And then when they're actually with, because a, a vagina could just never do that because mm. <laughs> that's not how it works. Um, there, there are then those problems. And I think that that can, um, can, can lead to other issues with self-esteem relating to people because what do you do then if things actually aren't working in real life, you're going to retreat back mm. into that comforting fancy land where everything is fine. That's that's very understandable human behaviour. Well, it's interesting because we talked about incels. And one of the things that's remarkable, remarkable about incels is that if you were to, um, and I know this is a brutal way, but if you were to, if you were to rate the male attractiveness of the incel, Someone who rates about a two thinks he's entitled to a woman who's a nine or ten. And sure. um, that's, I'm sure, due to the images that they've, that they've seen. But the other thing, and this is where I think it's a really tricky situation, 
I heard a stat the other day, 40% of men under 30 in America have never approached a woman in real life. That's, yeah, wow, okay. Saying, would you like to come for a drink? Or right. should we for a meal? Or would you like to see a film? And what I what worries me about that is um, if you bump into somebody, they could be the friend of a friend or um, you get chatting to them when you're playing pool in a bar or something, and you quite like the look of each other, this can be a very early stage of getting to say, well, yeah, you could be a potential partner for me. Yeah. And, um, if you... Um, if you rule that out because you're afraid of being accused of being some sort of pervert and weirdo, that again is another potential source of useful information. So you could say to the girl who's playing pool, do you want to come for a meal? And she could say, that's a really nice offer, but I'm not single. Or, right. um, you know, it's not the right time for me. Thank you. Yeah. Or right. whatever. Yeah. But that is itself a point of learning. Yes. So next time he looks at the clues and maybe he realises, actually, that uh, because she came in with another woman of whom she seems to be very fond, perhaps he's been propositioning gay girls. Yeah. So gradually he becomes more skilled at the job of real life encountering humans. Well, I mean, real life that, encountering humans, but also how we handle what is perceived as rejection. That's not rejection. That's just saying I'm not available for you. Yeah. It's yeah. not a comment on you your entire life because it's interesting what you said there about a man who is a two. I don't like this numbering ranking, by no, the way. No, I think no, it's I awful. But, but we, it's a thing, right? So we'll use it. A, a two thinking he's entitled to a 10. That incel movement has men that are perfectly fine looking thinking that they yeah. are hideous and they're just not. No. They just need a little attitude adjustment and a laugh. Yes. Absolutely. And they get laid fine. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because and here's the other thing. So so I, I've I've heard it said before that women's worst enemy is other women, and I think that's true about men as well. I think mm. sometimes some of these um these unhelpful perceptions and these barriers that get put up for men uh actually come from other men so i i, I had a bit of a dive i yeah. went, went in on it um so there was an article in the irish times called being a man is quite scary mm. which you can imagine to be true and there was there's a few quotes that i've got but one of them here is i find it hard to express my feelings because it makes me sound weak mm. and i immediately thought no it doesn't but no. someone's told him that or someone's made him feel like that. Yeah. So who is making men feel like they can't talk about feelings? Because I've certainly would never have the perception that someone being like, oh, I'm a bit pissed off. Mm. I wouldn't be like, you cry, baby. Because, you know, what girls are like, oh, my God, we'll spill tea on emotions all day long. Yeah. Sit down, Barry. Tell me all about it. Yes. You know, no, one, no, I don't think that that view does come from women. No. Um, and then that's that that. Pre- it's a really difficult situation doesn't it with like with a lot of women's issues because then the phone calls coming from inside the house yeah 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 and how do we change that perception i think um media has a lot to do with it portrayals of men historically has a lot to do with it i also think there's an economic or industrial sort of post-industrial about this 
Yeah, of course. And actually the class system again and the feudal system right back then, because men historically couldn't complain because they were also at the mercy of the patriarchy. Yeah. Your lord had his boot on your neck and was demanding 30% of your crops or whatever. Yeah. But no, you didn't have time to be crying about anything. But 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 also I think that um I, I mean I know this sounds this sounds like I'm I'm playing a little violin for chaps here, but um because of the way that women talk about feelings, um I think I think girls can be better at finding alternative role models if they have tricky relationships with their mothers. Um, yeah. Uh, whereas, um, blokes, young young men again, are sometimes. I mean, you know, from the fact that you go to a primary school where all the staff, apart from the caretaker, are women. Yeah. Right. As, as a little boy, so you right. get the idea that people who regulate how you behave are actually all women. You're yeah. eleven before you first encounter your male teacher. First male right. teacher which is quite a long way into your social development. Yes. And it is. And I'll I, tell you now that my stepson will sing I'm a Barbie girl at the top of his voice with absolutely no worries whatsoever. No, there we are. A long way that continue. But but yeah. but sometimes I mean I sometimes um sometimes boys look for well I think we need we both need both genders need role models of the opposite gender as well as our own. Yes. So I'm not saying that there are not loads of mothers who on their own are doing a great job of bringing up boys. But the question is not here about the bringing up so much as how they learn to move about in the world and who they decide that they're going to be like. You know, yes. I, had, I had an aunt who lived in Hong Kong and was impossibly glamorous. When she came home to, back to Britain, they always hired a Rolls Royce and they ate chocolates out of out of chocolate boxes the size of cartwheels and very nice. She was sustained entirely by Lauder and gin. And I used to think, my gosh, wouldn't I like to be Pat? Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. nothing that was not silk did not touch Pat's skin. Right. Yeah. And I used to think, what a what a way to be. I mean, I Yeah, was, how are you doing it? Yeah, I'm absolutely nothing like Pat, but I remember consciously thinking as a child, that's a way of being a woman that isn't like my mum. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, that's quite interesting. And right. I just think the absence of the absence of men around the place for um so they so they go to work. Um if they're in a trade, it's better. Obviously, if they're in the forces, it's better. But so you go and work in an office and you might find that you have a, a, a strong senior male figure that you can um uh, you know, admire, but you might not. You know, you could be a young high school teacher, for example, where all the senior management team are women. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying, I'm just asking the question of, then you have to come back and say, well, do you find the people you need to be like on YouTube or in yeah. communities or whatever? You know? uh, yeah, and how do we avoid that situation then of almost a silent minority Yeah, um, becoming men? Because one of the other points in this article, which and this is something I have seen, I have seen one person interviewed also called out the double standards that exist in the workplace. And he was referring to office culture. Now, I've seen this. Uh, obviously, I've seen sexism towards women and I've seen hugely inappropriate sexual behaviour towards women in, in offices. That's like outside cases. But I have seen 
women say things to men that if the shoe had been the other foot would have been sackable. Yeah. And should have been. But yeah. it like it 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 seems to fly when it's coming for a woman. So whether that is because of the perceived lack of danger to the individual, yeah, or um the historic kind of lack of acceptance that women can behave like that because it's like it's quite recent in our social evolution that we've acknowledged that women can feel sexual desire right yeah 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 like girls are allowed to be horny sometime around the Beatles. well yes and we started yes to work and, it out then yes and no because in the middle ages um it was considered that you couldn't conceive without orgasming it was you're right and how so, we got all those people i have no idea yeah because <laughs> they weren't i can promise <laughs> So, so that would be advice that you'd be given. But, 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 but no, it's very, it's a very interesting point. I also think, again, in terms of um, the messages that are, so, so I suppose what I'm saying is, if you've got your own immediate role models and so on, and they're all strong and everything's going well, fine. But if you're not, you're kind of grazing out in the culture to see what there is in the culture. And I remember seeing a. Um, birthday card in a major retailer right. which was aimed at this brand was aimed at children girls between the ages of about eight and twelve okay and it, the picture was a cartoon showing a little girl in a dress yeah and she was bending down it was almost like a stick man she was bending down picking up stones and okay. what it said was boys are stupid throw rocks at them oh no i don't like that and I, I was absolutely horrified because no, I don't like that. Again, imagine the boys imagine, aren't stupid anyway; they're lovely. Imagine a fuss, the fuss that they would be if a oh my god, imagine saying women, girls are stupid to throw rocks, throw at rocks at them. Oh my god, they outcry, and they should be because that's a horrible thing to say about anyone. Yeah, and so, it's um, horrible for anyone. It, yes. It's not you don't you don't unburn Joan of Arc by putting no. a horrible. A horrible postcard in WH, a horrible birthday card in WH Smith's. In, in exactly, Trip. yeah. You don't get rid of the oppression and the, the you don't get rid of all the misery by doing that. In fact, it just creates that cycle because people see that and go, fuck off then. Yeah. Which is what I thought immediately. But to coming back to your point as well about um, actually, you mentioned the military because the double standard has gone that far also. Right. So my partner was in the military until recently. Um, and so, so you know, we talk about things. And one thing that came up was that women in the military are allowed long hair of whatever colour they choose. Mm. Men in the military aren't. No, that's interesting. That's not right, is it? No. That's not right. So as a woman, if you've chosen to join, them's the rules. Yeah. Short yeah. back and sides, love, sorry. Yes. Or oh, yeah. everyone can have a waist-length bailout. Yes. Yes. You know, you have to, we have to, you know, I'm just going to turn the radiator off. Um, no, fairness. fairness. You know, we have to, fairness, basic, basic fairness. And I think that in setting up that kind of environment, the result is always going to be resentment, which is always going to be counterproductive. I mean, I I think actually, and, and um I've had discussions, nay, arguments with my girls about whether or not I call myself feminist. Um, mm. And I say that I believe in radical equality. 
Yes. And um, so we all know the business about equal pay. And we all know that sometime in September or October or whatever it is, everyone will tell us in social media that from this day onwards, as a woman, you're working for free. Yeah. What they don't say is that of the men killed at work, right. 99% are men. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've just fallen under uh, mm-hmm. a truck, yeah, that you were trying to unload, you're dead. You would settle yes. probably for another 20 years of life at 15% less pay. Yes. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying unequal pay is, I'm not saying that unequal pay is right. But what I'm no. saying is, if you can, if you look at the physical health of someone who works in certain industries, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm part of it, just a thought that I've had about how we classify people socially in the modern day is I think if you have a close physical friend, but a close, not physical friend, you have a close <laughs> friend who has yeah. um, at least one work-related physical injury, you right. belong to a particular class. Yes, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Because there's to a, which there's I a... would count myself. You know, I had, a, yeah. I had a drink the other day with a friend of mine who has um, just turned 40 and needs new hips because of the work that he does. And... Blimey heck. The men of my age, my generation, um, among my friends, half have sustained at least one serious injury. Yeah. And I know it's very galling to be working as a broadcaster and think that you are not earning as much as Gary Lineker. That must be very galling. It's also very galling not to be able to hold your child in your arms because your shoulder's shot. Yeah. And yeah. we never because of the because of the whole pendulum swing thing, we are quite rightly concentrating on trying to redress previous imbalances. But I mean I one of the things I think is very interesting about pay is women prefer jobs that are not scalable. And the data on that is incontrovertible because if you look at the most socially equal countries like Scandinavian countries, more women choose caring jobs in Sweden than in Britain. Less women right. in Sweden choose engineering. And right. of course, what that means is you can develop a great way of looking after children in the kindergarten that you run, yeah? But you develop a, a new tool on it to, to make a pneumatic drill 15% more efficient. One of you is going to make a hell of a lot more money than the other. So what I'm, is, what I'm saying is, rather than just saying the bottom line is A gets paid X and B gets paid X minus 15%, we need to unpack and understand why. We do. And I think on that note as well, I think it's really, really important then to separate our industries. Yeah. Because the risks that apply to your friend who needs a new knee yeah. Do not apply to a man working in HR in an office. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is not at physical risk. No. Is at the same physical risk as Sharon who works yes. in the office. Yeah. Absolutely. So they should get paid the same. Exactly. They should. 100%. And then people go, but women can take time out to have babies. All right. Apply that once she has. Yeah. Because until you're pregnant, you're not. No. 
right? So I, I I don't know how you would really operate that model either. I'm not here operating solution, uh, offering solutions. I'm just, you know, critiquing, which is something to be said for itself. So I think that, that um, I, I do think it is still about it pay equality. I think that the people in those really dangerous jobs should just be paid more. Yes, yes. Because also, if a female engineer comes up with a way to make a pneumatic drill more effective, she shouldn't be at a disadvantage. No, absolutely. And she, she should have the money. And she almost certainly won't be because she'll she'll patent it and sell it herself. If she if she does, she'll make a killing. And hmm. that's that's historically been the case that women are good entrepreneurs, but they're not yes. so corporate. And that's, you know, that's a uh that's a that's a good thing, but but you know you mentioned you mentioned and um you know if people like Mary Harrington have have made it uh, uh, you know done really good work on 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 talking about are we talking about gender inequality or are we talking about mothers inequality right and mm. I think um going to drift off into pronatalism here but, <laughs> um. We've created a, a society in which the fun that you have, I mean, you're at the stage now, um, you're, um, you have parental responsibilities now, yeah? Yeah. And um, it doesn't matter that they're not full-time, that's totally irrelevant. You know how much fun it's possible to have with children. Yes. Not to say... It's entirely 100% wonderful the entire time. No. <laughs> but, there is, but there is an awful lot of fun you can have with A children. great deal of fun. A great deal of fun. When did you last hear a, a song or see a film celebrating um, the love between parents and children um, the, and the, in a positive and enjoyable way? When you have, when you have a parent-child thing portrayed in a film it's almost always there's a gorgeous baby and they die of leukemia um or you have lovely sterile sex and you know that's most stories most stories are about romance or adventure yeah adventure is often very male oriented um mm -hmm. not not entirely but it's not to do with having children and um for lots of us having children or spending time with children is not a horrendous thing that we're desperate to pay someone minimum wage to do instead of us mm -hmm. and you know Miriam Cates got into trouble the Tory MP got into trouble the other day because um they were talking at, I can't remember whether it was Labour or Tory policy which is to give um full-time childcare from the time of baby six weeks. And yeah. Miriam Kate said, fine, but give the same money to a woman who would like to spend time at home with her child if she wants. And this is particularly the case with women um, who are not in careers but are in jobs. Right. But they, they work. Nobody says, oh, I must put my baby in, in, in a crash because I'm working in the cleaners. They say, I must put my baby in the creche because I'm a barrister. Um, but actually, the woman who works in the cleaners, if she could have the money that she would spend 
on putting the baby in the creche as an addition to the family income. And anyway, Miriam Kate suggested this, and you would have thought that the sky had fallen in. So if you imagine this, you've got baby A and you've got two twin sisters, B, who is the mother of baby A, and C, who is the childminder. Right. The state will pay C, the aunt, to look after baby A from six weeks old. Right. And it will not pay B, the mother. And if I'm not, I, I don't know whether that's a good policy or not, but I'm just saying it was extraordinary the way people jumped upon Miriam Cates and said, do you not think that women are fit for, fit for nothing but staying at home and going to Tupperware parties? And, and she said, I'm not saying everyone would want to do it, but couldn't they have a choice? If this mm. amount of money per baby is going out of the system, it could be given to the family for them to do what they wanted with it. Well, I think it would make staying at home for longer a reality for a lot of women and we've diverted wildly away from talking about men and we'll yeah. get back there in a minute um because i think that that is one of the enormous pressures and and to be honest it's <coughs> one of the things that makes um parenthood seem impossible yeah exactly yeah. for a lot of people because are you going to put yourself in a position maybe having studied for a long time or not i don't know are you going to put yourself in a position where you're stressed up to your eyeballs and, you, and you're spending someone's entire wage on childcare. Yeah. Probably not, because that doesn't sound like fun for anyone. No. Um. So, so you know, you can see why people do shy away from parenthood. Now, again, it, it's a hugely complicated issue because that's again, you don't want to sit here and say everyone should be popping out babies because I just don't think that that's true either. Um, no, I but, think but, it, it, you know. but, but the reason why I mention it is because if you listen to some of the rhetoric around the difference uh, that in what men and women earn mm. you would think that there's a kind of dr evil male figure in every workplace saying right i must make sure that mary is earning less than simon because haha she's a woman no mary took some time out in in the vast majority of cases i'm not i'm not saying there are not there are structural inequalities and that's why i think you know the whole we should we should value the jobs that are done largely by women more. Yeah, I'm not saying that. But what what, what I'm saying is that if women choose to leave the workplace to go traveling, you don't have to have a baby. If you, yeah. you're a woman and you chose to leave the workplace for five years to go traveling, you would not expect that your increment, your annual increment from the company you left five years ago would have been accruing to you while you were in Thailand. No. And, and then you turn around at 45 and say, but Bert, who never went to Thailand, is five years ahead of me. Well, that's not Bert's fault. Yeah, No, it's not. And neither it's not. is the fault of some sinister Dr. Evil who's saying we must make sure that the girl that went to Thailand is punished in every way. It's just you chose to do something else and maybe good for you. 100% is mm. what you want. Yeah, to oh, yeah, for sure. But for sure. I think there's um I think men suffer a bit because of what I could describe, you know, you know, people describe Boris's philosophy as being cakeism that he tells people they can have their cake and eat it. Yeah. So um I think sometimes the discussions about the differences between men and women in the economy suffer from a bit of cakeism. 
in the sense that um, we're expecting different groups to do different things and yet, and yet get paid the same. Well, but on the other hand, if they are doing the same, they damn well should be paid the same and they should be held to pay if they're not. If that makes I think sense. it's it's so difficult because of the very great number of variables that exist on it. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's a woman that I admire very much <coughs> called Lynn Tugard, who's been um, meteoric in, in the world of Tower Co. And, you know, kind of revolutionised how networks are delivered and rolled out. Mm. Um, she's Welsh. Mm -hmm. A very, very inspiring person to listen to incredible she's she's been on the board of so many companies has made a tremendous amount of money has two kids she's delivered so much yeah that you know she's still been incredibly successful so i think that i, I don't know how you do this again what you earn should be down to what you deliver yeah because again yeah. again let's say that we've got a man who sat there and just sort of quiet quitted for five mm -hmm. years and we've got sandra who's been off had a baby Yep. come back, realise a strategic change that could be made that's going to make the company five million. Yeah. She's been out, but she's come back and she's done this. Yeah. Who's worth more? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. But absolutely. then again, again, that's so subjective. That's down to like manager recognition. It's down to, it's, it's so hard. And I think, again, that's where we get down to this point that um, nameless man from newspaper article has made about tarring people with the same brush. Mm. And so I think that, that is again a place where we need to almost take the gender out of it and, and see it on that case by case basis because, and I'm going to come back to it again here, isn't it really a problem that we see maternity leave as being a female thing? What if what if yeah. what if a lad wants to take six months out to be with his baby? Yeah. Absolutely. Why shouldn't that be absolutely, absolutely. fine? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I suppose my point, the reason why I made a, a, a pronatalist point was that yes. I think that I think that we've created a society in which. Um, it seems so weird to procreate that um, everyone's sort of saying, well, gosh, um, I mean, I give you the example. My, my brother, Philip, who was a, a, a very senior television executive, used to always say, I promote young women and why are they not coming onto the board? Yeah. Yes. And he, the reason was many of them had left to have children and not because mothers can't work, but because of the sort of flexibility that you develop when you're trying to juggle, right. many of them had started their own companies. Right. And my brother, well, you've got a bit of time to think about those ideas and go, hang yeah. on. And my brother, my brother said this almost annually, sometimes twice a year. And eventually his beloved wife turned around and said, has it occurred to you that they don't want to end up like you? There, there is a lot of white men culture at the top end of companies a lot of the time. Um, yeah. Again, and, those and, are the people that have stayed in the workforce because you know women have gone off to have kids. But, but, but what I'm saying is, is, is the so there's something. Maybe the problem is not with women and children and men and inequality, but corporations and you know. Um, Again, and, and this is, I know one can be a bit, um, one can be a bit uh, naive about this, but before the Industrial Revolution, everybody worked, men and women. And we wouldn't call an unmarried woman a spinster if women had never worked. No. 
And it was only when women started to have to be had to have to work in a place so dangerous that they couldn't have small children around their feet that um, that there became the idea that if you could afford it, you'd put your wife in the home just looking after the children. Because right. the children would be picking up the bits of wool from the floor while mummy was spinning all day long in a cottage in 1720. Um, and it yeah. isn't until a factory. And so what I'm saying is maybe those, maybe the relations that we, maybe some of the relations we worry about are, are to do with particular set of historical economic circumstances rather than differences between men and women. Oh, totally. No, and I completely agree with that. And I can also, you can see how that's come about. And also, you know, this the idea of having someone home, just being able to make dinner and do all of those things. Because I can tell you for free, there being two people working full time and still trying to fit all of that in mm. is pretty stressful. Mm. And there's not a lot of time for it. And sometimes you have a dinner at like nine o'clock at night, because that's just how it works out. Yeah, I think that as well, it's, <coughs> it's not necessarily changes between or differences between men and women, but the differences in which things have been approached. So, for example, let, let's hold up childbearing as the big yeah. one, right? Mm. There were, okay, and, and post-industrial revolution and all that, but in, in recent history, yeah. there was a period where women had significantly less choice Yeah, about yeah. what could happen. And just the way yeah. things were was that you got married and you had a baby. And a lot of people did that. Yeah when they didn't really want to yeah absolutely and then things changed and those people had the opportunity to say to their kids take it from me and don't mm. Mm. and that was then maybe taken to heart and some people did some people did you know whatever so so then you get this view of like oh maybe I don't want to do that so I think what the, a bit of the snapback that we see now is actually women having choice yeah and people having choice I mean, yeah. men always did have choice you know a, a, a woman being a spinster was seen differently as a man being a bachelor. And that's yeah. just a fact as well, you yeah. know, because a lot of the, um, I know we're not talking about, but I'm going to bring it back to male positivity. <laughs> a lot of the um, behaviours that are now starting to be accepted in women were seen as negative connotations when they weren't mm. in men. So for a woman to be in her thirties and unmarried yeah. 70 years ago, it was like, Oh goodness me. Whereas yeah. if, if a man did that, it was like, well, he's just enjoying his life, whatever. And a lot of that is, is due to, you know, the differing windows that we have for fertility and all the rest of it. So I think that some of the difficulties now for men, and, and this is where I'm going to bring it back to male positivity, because I think this must be tremendously difficult, is that women get to be on the driving end of the change hmm. and enjoying that movement and, and being able to influence things, whereas men are on the receiving end of it, of all these things that are happening, which they don't get to buy into. Yeah, and that they don't get to control. Yeah, but I would, I would sort of, I sort of, I've got a radical curveball to throw in here, All which right. is, Let's... is choice and illusion. Look, but no, also well, no. And I don't mean, I don't mean specifically fertility because that is <clears throat> an area where choice has been radically changed. But if we, if we look at the the sort of myth of becoming a girl boss or even a boy boss it's not necessarily something that's going to happen to the vast majority of people and the vast majority of people have opportunities of various kinds and they make good or bad use of them. yes and 
two qualities that I think are undervalued and men often have lots of them. And I'm not saying women don't, but stoicism and resilience yeah. are things which you would describe as so a man being able to survive under fire um is a kind of image of, of male strength yes and in a way what we've said as a society is a woman being able to tell her best friend about her feelings is valued a man being able to go up the beach in the normandy landings under heavy fire is a bit shitty because he's probably a rapist and actually He's no more likely to be a rapist than she is to be someone who's actually trying to worm secrets out about her friend and betray her. Yeah. So so both are horrible views of of the positive side of people. And and I suppose I just think that what we maybe miss is some shared views, and I mean shared between men and women, um, as to what a good life would represent. Yeah. And I think sometimes um, you hear women talk as if men are after trad wives. Some are. Some are. But some women are after being trad wives. Yeah, some but equally, yeah, some women. I mean, so far, it seems to me that the trad wife economy is reasonably well balanced. In I don't come across lots of men in tweed suits in Catholic churches who have not got a girl in an A-line skirt by their side. Yeah. Amazing. So, so there must be um there must be um plenty of plenty of yin for the yang there. No, but, yeah, no, I think there is. I think there is. Play. But I, I just wonder whether um whether what we're lacking is and this affects men and women particularly in terms of what does a good what does a good man what is a good man today? Yeah. And how do how do you know if you're a bloke whether you're hitting the right goals to be a good man well and and the problem is i think that the good man good woman good person concept is too big so if we if we were putting that back into do you remember the gcse books like what was it bite size Oh, yeah, 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 bite yeah. size. Let's, let's so we have to kind of chunk that down. And I think it's not even so much about saying what is a good man. It's as a man, how can you be authentically you? Yes. And it's about people feeling okay in their own skin. And I think it's about removing some of the judgments of character. So I take it back to your Normandy landings scenario. And it's incredible what those men were able to do. I look at it and go, none of the poor bastards should have been there. No, agreed. agreed. They should have been having a bubble bath, sat out on the lawn, reading the paper, playing cricket, any of the other lovely things that you can go and do with your time. Yeah. That doesn't involve getting shot because, holy shit, I just think that sounds awful. And you know what? It's one of the things, here we go, female privilege. I'm not allowed on the front lines, and that's good because I don't ever want to go. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But it it does... it, it, it. highlights that um real difficulty of how do you order the matrix of value yes of people and i think that part of that is back to maslow your self-actualization and how you handle expectation yeah 
and how comfortable you are just being yourself. Because let's say Andrew Tate, Andrew Tate can get up and scream about masculinity and muscles and power cars and about cooking being too feminine. Yeah. That doesn't make him right. No. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't make him right. No. He's it, it, just talking. That doesn't mean that you have to do it. Yep. That doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, you know, you, that it's just nonsense. So I think you have to work out the groove in life that fits you. Yeah. And then don't worry about what anyone else thinks that that means. Yes. Because you will find yeah. your people in your, and uh, you will find your, sorry. <laughs> no. I, yeah, I think that's, I think you will find your people good. and your groove and you will be happy there. And if that means if you are a, a, the owner of a penis and you never want to work out and you want to talk about feelings all day and you quite like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Pick one. Bird watching. I don't care. Yeah. Just just do that. And because all of, well, not all. There are some things that will be kind of rooted in biology and all the rest of it. But that, again, it, it, you can make a choice on how that impacts your view of yourself, right? Because we get outliers everywhere. Like we've got six foot women. Mm. That's not the norm. Yeah, yeah. They're still women. So if you are a man who's, I don't know, slight built, five foot four, whatever, you're still a man, dude. You're cool. Yeah. And then it's just about adhering to those moral values that we all do know to be right, you know. But 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 I suppose what I am saying, whilst 100% saying that the way to be happy is to be your authentic self. Yes. How do you discern what the options for your authentic self are, given that you... So so let's say let's say you're I say you're a young man and your father's one of three brothers, yeah? And one of your uncles an absolute waste of skin, yeah? Right. And the other one just never seems to put any effort in and right. never really achieves anything. But your dad's okay. kind of okay. Okay. So you look around and you say, actually, Uncle Rob is rubbish, Uncle Ted is rubbish. <laughs> My dad is okay. So okay. I will learn to be um, more like my dad. But okay. equally, if my dad was the one who actually is a, always just blowing smoke and just no good at all, maybe I'll try to be like Uncle Ted because he's actually banking some stuff. Mm. And what I think that, one of the things we really suffer from is is atomization and people are um living their i mean this is a post romantic movement thing you know that that i am my individual self and um i have unique features yes of course you do yeah but mm. you also have to have some patterns for life from yes. which to choose and i suppose i'd say it's a bit like I'm traveling down the road. Do I walk, go on a horse, cycle, or go in a car? Just standing me right. at the end of the road and say, imagine how you could get to the other end. I might start off by saying, well, if I were turning myself into a bird, no, that's not an option. 
it's walk, horse, bike or car. So I wonder about the absence of walk, horse, bike, car alternatives. And I put this down to um, a slightly um, post-war idea that we can all we can all just sit down and have a smoke a guitar and talk to very clever people in a cafe and find out how we go on to live our lives. When in fact, most people have got 20 minutes to get out to work in the morning, yeah? Mm -hmm. Eight to 12 hours where they do the work, yeah? yeah. Um, they need some eating, pooing and washing time. Mm -hmm. And so the time they've got for mulling over philosophical conundrums as to how shall I steer the ship of my life in the sea of existence is bloody small. So we reach for cookie yeah. cutters. And unfortunately, in the absence of the old cookie cutters, um, you know, which had their downfalls. So, but I remember saying as a, as a kid, I remember saying, oh, my brother Rupert, He's just like St. Joseph because they're both carpenters. And um, thinking that this was great, you know, that my brother was in some way like a saint, even though right. he was no other way like a saint. So we threw away the old, literally the no. icons that we had. And we've, you know, people have done this in all different societies as well. So it's not just a Christian thing or a post-Christian thing. So for the person sure. who has got not all the time to think about the path they follow. How does a man, a man then goes on YouTube, and if he's extremely lucky, he hits on Jordan Peterson before he hits on Andrew Tate. Because if he hits on Jordan Peterson, Jordan well, Peterson, well, well if, he, if he stumbles across Jordan Peterson rather than Andrew Tate, the messages he will have will be far more wholesome and far more likely to get him having a decent life. Yes. But oh, that, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not holding out a watch me call for that. But, but they're a darn sight less unwholesome than Andrew Tate. Um, it's hard to get less wholesome than Andrew Tate, to be fair. It, it is. But why is why is an Andrew Tate not? Why is he? Why is he not more marginal than he is? I suppose it's the question I'm asking. Because so, so I think this yes, and this speaks to. I don't even think this is just men, but we're talking about men, but the the disenfranchisation, is that a word? Yeah, there are a lot yeah. of disenfranchised men out there. I think that when people are disenfranchised, they are more susceptible to extreme ideas. I think we've said that before. Yes, yes. The world today is just a difficult place to get by in. Yeah. It isn't as easy. You know, the economy is not as good. We have market saturation when it comes to jobs. We've got these little rectangles in our pockets making us mm. compare ourselves to other people and feel mm. miserable all the goddamn time. Mm. And I think that a lot of people are out there just sort of looking for an anchor. Yeah. And people like Andrew Tate are wrong, but they sound so sure. Mm. Yes. Like Hitler. Yes. Like Hitler, yes. right? Yes, he exactly. was a nutter, but by God, he was confident. Yes, yes, that's a really very good point. He knew what his message was. Yeah, he knew what needed to happen, and he knew how. And people went, "Good, thank God, someone does." There's a quote. There's a quote. I think it's Yeats. Um, it, the best lack all conviction, and the worst are full of horrible intensity. 
And that, I think, is one of the problems of yeah. a post-liberal society. So if I were to publish an article in The Guardian tomorrow mm -hmm. saying strawberries are um, wrecking the world, right? then you, who were just about to scoop some strawberry jam onto your scone, may reconsider, but yeah? But then you do some more research and you write an article, strawberries, the only crop that will save this planet, yeah? And so, then you have the entire publication history of the Daily Mail. Yeah, so yeah Does exactly. broccoli cure, cure cancer or cause it? Yeah. We don't know. It's, the jury's out. The jury's but, out. But because we are bombarded, we're, we're saturated with too much information. And... um. Yeah, we're saturated with too much information and we've become, and I, you know, I love learning, so I'm not going to say yeah. don't learn. Yeah. But, but we've become sort of sponges for indigestible quantities of information. And we make our decisions, we plan our lives um, according to our information set. So if our information set is wild overload, um, and then suddenly Andrew Tate comes in and says, all you need to do is basically be like me. Yeah. yeah. It cuts through the wild overload, doesn't it? Well, it does. And also I think there's something here. Now, I'm not going to say that men don't have any problems in the world. We've just spoken about loads of them. Clearly mm. they do. And this point I'm going to make, it also applies to women, to be fair. But we do have people like Andrew Tate, whose bread and butter is making people think that they're not good enough yeah. and that they need to improve and that yeah. they've got some big problems and that they need to be like Andrew to get over them. Yeah. So would we have such rates of discontent among men and women if we didn't have people out there telling us about all these problems that there are? I, I agree. Do, so, I, do some of them exist? Because like I hear I hear these thoughts. I'm like, I've never heard a woman express that. I've never heard anyone, you know, it's like one one quote is like, you can't say hello, you can't compliment. And it's like, yes, you can. Mm. Yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> so who's telling you that you can't? Well, I suppose the answer to that would be the Daily Mail is is who's telling you. That you right. can't. And right. um so it's another quote, it's another quote from the same thing. Yeah. Saying, I'm all for women empowerment. There's a piece of grammar. Mm. But it's like they want to empower men out of the equation. Right. No. no. Oh, obviously those women do exist. Those extreme feminists do yeah. exist, but I think we can all agree they're not bags. Mm. Yes. Anyone that wants yes. an entire section of the population out of the picture is an extremist. Yes, yes. And, and can't be listened to because they're fucking nuts. But, but I so, think, um, but, but you see, I think what is true is not the world, but the media and the political discourse has yeah. swung very heavily um, in ways which make it difficult for men to navigate the world. That's that would be my thought. And um I one of one of the reasons why I like living here is because um 
I'm surrounded by lots of young men who do know where they belong. And yeah. as a result, you've only got to look at, um, I mean, I had, a, I had a discussion once with a woman in the post office and she said, she said in a very touchy voice, she said, I didn't move out here to find that this town was full of young people on Saturday. And I go, what? yeah, well, it's the show. So everyone's been to the show and then they come out and found it. And, yeah. and, and, and she said, but they were noisy and they were drunk and they were, you know, whatever. Yeah, having I, fun, Karen, like you maybe should. Yeah, exactly. But I said to her, when you go home, just check your car insurance. And next time you see one of those children, those young people, buy them a drink. Because their unlikelihood of stealing your car means that you pay a quarter of the average price to insure your car. Right. So actually, those drunken young yobs <coughs> that you did not like seeing outside your window on Saturday night, yeah? Yeah. Are, of all the drunken young yobs you could have, some of the good ones. And yes. So my my point is, and we've that, all been a drunken young yob at some point, haven't we? So. Exactly, exactly. Um, so my point is that um, maybe um, a lot of the so you look at you could, for example, God forbid, gang culture. Yeah, mm. um, everyone knows the sociology is completely s sorted about that. That young men join gangs because they want male role models. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an absolute replacement for the family unit. I mean, particularly in disadvantaged areas where you might have a single parent working several jobs yeah, who just cannot be home and cannot be present. The, the person that that young person has the most contact with, who's probably going to sort them out with 20 quid, is going to ask them if, if they're okay, is the local drug dealer. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. And, and that's it. That, gangs is about belonging and identity. And so the question, the question is, you look at a society where the good men are gone out of that society for whatever reason. Where? They're not. Good men are they're gone. Not, they're not. But you're talking about the single mum who's working three jobs, yeah? In the world of that boy, right. there are probably not very many people living over yeah. the road. Yeah. And yeah. I mean there was a there was a case, and I know it made the Daily Mail, but it was nevertheless true, that there was um when we were living really? <laughs> in, in South Wales, there was a <laughs> a big estate opened near a big Tesco's, not far from right. And there were, I think, 175 households, and there was one resident father. Right. And so there were men around, but they weren't close to those boys in no. the way perhaps they needed to be. So, yeah. so I suppose I'm asking if, and this is not to say I'm, you know, a single parent myself. But this is not to say that women cannot bring up children independently. Of course they can, but I think if that is the way we're going to be raising men, we ought to ask ourselves what the culture needs to do to help. Mm -hmm. You know, how are we pushing forward and promoting? Um, figures that can inspire and um, help young men find paths that I completely agree with you about their authentic path. Yeah. Yes. But 
just creating things they can aspire to? Apart from well, being a premiership footballer. Yeah, apart from being a premiership footballer. It's really difficult, isn't it? Because uh, to talk about that, we then have to get into the idea of the nuclear family, the decline of that. Again, then there's a tendency to lay blame. How can you? And, you know, every broken family is broken in its own way. Yeah. Who knows the reasons for these things? Um, now we do have options for women who are single to have children by themselves. Yep. And that's difficult as from a natalist position then, isn't it? To say, well, if you're by yourself, you shouldn't have a child. It's like, yeah. ah, who is anyone? So again, it is, I think, about that wider societal structure. Um, I, I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. Um, but one of the things, one of the things that makes it substantially worse and it was it was Norman Tebbit and then Tony Blair who <laughs> pushed the idea that you should get on your bike and go and go and find work where work is. Yeah, right. Work may be there, but your people aren't. Right. And, yeah. And yeah. I'm yeah. not saying that everybody has to be rooted and stay where they you know they grew up, but more people. It's a bit like women spending a couple of years at home with their baby. The fashionable, this is the, this is, I know this is the whole good heart thing. So there mm -hmm. are somewheres and anywheres, and there are super anywheres. And yeah. super anywheres dominate our culture. So a super anywhere, um, uh, Sunak would be a really good example. He is as at home in London as he is in Bombay. Yes. And that's because he's fucking loaded. Exactly. Now, those people, he does not need to say to himself, Sugar, um, the machine in the factory I work broke down, so I'm not going to be able to leave till six o'clock, or none right. of us will get paid. So can right. my mother pick the kids up from school? That does not impact him at all. Does not happen and, to him. And yeah. so what we've done, and this the 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 role models for men and the support networks for women are the same thing. They are about having a society where you don't have to churn all the time just to survive. And some people can say, I'd like to stay. This is a place where I want to bring out my kids. So yeah. I'd like to get to know the mothers at the school gate and share jobs with them. Or I'd like to get to know the dads on the football touchline and maybe be able to talk about some of the things that matter to us over a pint. Yes. The average amount of time that a person has lived in a London borough is now eight months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't believe that good life for men or women is sustainable at that level of churn. Because... No, it's not. And I think this is where economics does impact into the struggles of men and the perception of who that they need to be in the world. Because as you've hit on, the people that can be successful anywheres and can get by and, and don't have blockers are the uber rich. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it, we we end up with this perception of if you're not being an entrepreneur or trying to be a billionaire, mm. then you're failing. And in mm. some ways, because of the way the game is set up, you are. Yeah. Because it's really difficult just to be an ordinary person in a terrace house <coughs> with a normal job and a partner yeah. and a family. It's, it's really quite hard to achieve. Yeah. Yes. And it is more hard to achieve if... Um, and this is where the whole idea of what work is and 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 what we work for. Yeah. Um, I'm very lucky because I live in. Um, I, I make 
most of my money by being creative. Right. But this is a massive exception to the rule. That, that's quite a rare thing. Yeah, it is a rare thing, and it's a huge yeah. privilege. Um, however, well, I mean, you work bloody hard for it, but you know. However, most people, um, most people, do what they do because they need to earn a living, and they find what they're good at, and then they hone those skills, and they follow a path, hopefully based on their own skills, and they have a sense of satisfaction. A job well done, yeah, but it's not a vocation in a sense and one of the things i think that's bad for the whole men and women discussion is the fact that we put too much stress on work and not on stuff we do outside in terms of how we define who we are correct and i think that part of the reason for that is that a lot of people have to have two jobs yeah and you actually can't afford to because it's not it's not so much about thinking how how can I be my authentic self, what's going to be good for me? It's what avenue can I take to make sure that I can buy milk yes. and bread and have something to eat as well as pay rent. And that leads to a very, very different mindset and that leads to a tremendous amount of pressure. Yes. And again, I'll say it's social media where you have just these constant representations and there are people kind of doing creative things and all the rest of it, but constant representations of what things should be like. And at this endless, endless, endless comparison. Yeah. And, and also the, these echo chambers of, of people saying, you know, what men are like, what women are like, it just, it's like, that might be an experience that you had with one individual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's yeah. out there just kind of sowing fear and doubt in a world where actually, and you, you hit on it just right earlier, people kind of don't have time or room to think about things. I also think another thing, I was talking to a friend today, um, talking about Lucky Me, a contribution to a book that she's writing. Ooh, she to do a bit. Nice. So, nice. Um, and one of the things we were talking about is the expectations that people have over Christmas, for example. And, um, you know, I was explaining that the families in the matching pajamas it's a very good thing i don't live in america where i just mow a few down every christmas right they... okay and i never get to feel that, thing <laughs> that my mother used to which is you know there are people starving in africa and sure. I, but there's a level of people's material self-satisfaction that triggers that in me and i start mm. saying do you know what half the people on this planet use less electricity in a day or than we ha- then would run run one fridge right just right. shut up with your matching pajamas right and um, then i guess but- it's like are you in that situation because again we could say that there'd be a lot of men in the gaza strip right now who would love for their only problem to be being rejected by a woman today uh, yeah exactly exactly but but, so but, my- the, but men here are not there they're no. not and so no, their problems exactly. are their yeah. problems but but so my so my conclusion, or a conclusion that I've come to about um, one of the conclusions about society and its discontents, is one of the problems that we have is that just as when epistolary novels first started to be published, and people thought they were real letters from real people. Amazing. We think that social media is a reflection of people's lives. Yes. And it isn't. No. It's a genre of fiction. It is. It is absolutely and, escape. It's it's alternate reality. 
And as we don't um, understand that, and as we treat it as if these are verifiable, ascertainable facts that help us understand how someone's living, we are getting it totally wrong. You know, no, I'm a, I'm obsessed with Jane Eyre, and uh, you know, I I was obsessed to the extent that when I was in my teens, I used to buy the Lady every week because I was looking for the advert which said, "Oh wow, you know, Northern gentleman requires governess," and I was going to go off and be a governess if I had a choice rather than going off to uni. So, um, right. So this is a serious obsession with a novel, but I have never okay. thought that it was a history of things that really. No. Happened. And when I see the curated pictures of you know, eight old college friends getting together, yeah? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking at these pictures of eight old college friends. I know that three out of the eight have got their own, are on their own private Calvary. Right. Um, And they're all smiling and they're raising, and they say, Prosecco o'clock. Prosecco o'clock, though my heart is broken. Yeah? And so we look at it from the other side and we say, God, I wish I wish that was me with the eight friends and the Prosecco. But yeah. in fact, we don't see the Calvary behind the, the, the Prosecco. And so we're judging lives as if that curation was not going on and that this was an accurate... We think, we think social media is a fly-on-the-wall documentary, not a piece of fiction. No, correct. And I think that there's a lot of... Because people getting wound up about stuff gets more engagement than people thinking, oh, that's nice and moving on. So what you want for an article is the comments and you want the share and all the rest of it. So I see quite a lot of them. I see particularly sites, actually, I'm not going to name any, but um, posting these articles are like, um, dad banned from seeing kids on Christmas Day. Yeah. And there's this whole thing. And then you get this whole diatribe of women always want to this, women always want to that, yeah. dads aren't allowed to be blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no sane woman is stopping a man from seeing his children no. on Christmas Day without a reason. No. No, absolutely. That's I mean, it. There's, there just is more to it. Like, obviously, there are not a term, but not a women out there yeah. doing wacky shit. But that's not a reason for anyone to think that an entire section of the population is out to get them and vice versa. In fact, in fact, I think what's gone wrong, if you want my opinion, um, and because we're on a podcast, I'm kind of assuming you do. Well, my thoughts are what's gone wrong with, for example, the family court system is Mm. not feminism, but radical individualism. So I I think think, I think that men are a little bit um, not persecuted. What am I talking about? They're underappreciated. Under, no, yeah, but the, the the legal system, family court, is geared up to be favourable to women. Well, but I but, think, but but what it does, what it does, is um, one of the things I take a strong exception to. I think a child of twelve, for example, should be able to decide where they stay. Which I think they can, can't them. they? Yeah, they can. But a child of four can't. No, and they are, and 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 uh, at the moment. Children are asked at the age of four, do you rather live with mummy and daddy or daddy? Which oh, right. I think is a form of emotional abuse because no child of four can make that decision rationally. And it is nothing but causing the generating despair. And so what I'm saying is that if the family courts looked at a family as a dynamic unit, 
containing all the individuals in it, including aunts, uncles, neighbours, mm. nice working colleagues who help the dad, yeah, mm. arrange his shift so he's got time to pick up the kids from school, all of that. If you looked upon a family or a, as not just a group of individuals with consumer rights, right, but a dynamic system for the raising of the children, I know this gets a bit close to the, the Hillary Clinton, it takes a village, but if you did a kind of strength-based analysis of who's got what strength, who can give what, how can this be managed best? Yes. Other than saying either kids are always best with their mum or... And that's not always true. Or four-year... Exactly. Or four-year-olds are all can decide rationally um, where they live. Mm. No, shush with this. <laughs> Look upon them as interlocking parts of a puzzle and then you may have a standard chance of of um of coming up with something and of course the there is no doubt that men are often uh disadvantaged in the discourse that happens now around these decisions no doubt no, they are no I, I do think they are i do think they are and i think that there's the nat not natural um ingrained ingrained yeah bias towards what well, the children will go with the mother and I'm going to make a bit of a correction to something I've just said actually because I said that no rational woman would stop a father from seeing his kids on Christmas day that does happen yeah. that does happen I was more thinking about um the tone of the articles being yeah, just yeah, like completely yeah. sensationalist and totally yes. out there yes. you know obviously there is like massively selfish behavior between split up parents and people trying to get back and do all that and that does happen but I think that is more at individual yeah. meanness level than yes. men and women yes. level. Um yes. that that person is an asshole. It's not because they're yeah. a woman. Right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um but no family court family law is way favorable. Um there's a perception that divorce procedures are also favorable towards women. Um I don't I don't have any stats or knowledge to disprove that. Well one thing that's happened recently is that we, and which is why we, nobody could say we've got a conservative government. We've got a government that calls themselves conservative. Sure. But they've introduced no fault divorce. Yes, and, they have. Um, no fault divorce is another of those post war ideas, um, which, you know, over a glass of wine on the left bank sounds brilliant. But in reality, um, if nobody's at fault, you shouldn't be parting from each other yeah just you've got a little bored it it, it it undermines the whole idea of people making an effort also i think that um it is if you for example are abandoned you have a it will help your healing to feel that you've been badly treated it may not so, be but in that case you can divorce for abandonment yeah, exactly that's my point but now but now now you get it used to be the case that you had to be you had to be on the moral high ground uh oh that there was some dis discussion that there was the moral high ground. but now that's been replaced with a kind of meh and my suggestion to uh what should be done about this is this back in the early middle ages the welsh had seven degrees of marriage Right. And 
um, they that was from um, and and these were, for example, um, people's inheritance rights varied depended on what um, what degree of marriage you were at. So, for example, if you were um, the child of a prostitute and the father and your father was one of her clients, you would not have as much inheritance rights as if uh, you had been the victim of rape. Right. Right. For example. So I suppose what I'm saying is if a lifelong, if a supposedly lifelong commitment in which children are to be brought up can be dissolved just by men, maybe people should be able to decide when they get married what degree of solubility or indissolubility they think works. Because well, I think I think there's something to that. I, I will um stick up for no fault divorce a bit because I think that there is something about the act of having to formally proportion blame. So uh no fault divorce wasn't a thing when it happened to me. Yeah. So my ex-husband had to write down the reasons he was divorcing me. Right. Now, because we had maintained a civil relationship and, and because of lots of other conversations that was kind of okay but that process can take something which could be an amicable parting yes and turn it into warfare but now when you've got children finances and sometimes personal safety to consider yeah, yeah. there is a significant benefit for being able to just put up your hands and step away. So I know another person that was actually in quite a bad situation in terms of there was um, some abuse going on mm. and they were able to do a no-fault divorce yeah. and kind of get out with their skin because it didn't, the, the complexities around the personality of the other person would have escalated if... They had gone, this person abuses me. Right. And she wouldn't That's have been safe. In my That's opinion, she wouldn't have been safe. Yeah. So that process gave her a way to go, you know what? It's just not working. Let's be groovy. And then it kind of could be. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it is just about being meh. I think it can also just be about that white flag of but you surrender. See, you see, one of the reasons why I like you so much is that you are such an exception to every rule that I put forward. <laughs> and I kind of think that a society created uh, with the wisdom of AD would be a very, very good society. So, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, and you are, you are that. I mean, I'm so ancient, but you are the only person that I know amidst my all of my acquaintance who... You know, this is, there's a, so I was talking to a young friend of mine who was doing a, a study on this for um, a, a master's course that she was doing. And um, she said, well, do you think there's such a thing as divorce without bitterness? And I'd forgotten about you for a moment. And I said, no, because I don't know anyone who is divorced, who doesn't feel bitter or at least guilty. Sometimes mm. it's because they feel that they hadn't done what they had. Or sometimes they feel they just made a mistake because they did right. the thing with the wrong person. You know, right. 
But right. having said that, you come blazing in as you do, like a kind of human comet, and <laughs> and you you shake my thoughts. Uh, <laughs> and then I think to myself, is this just because I kind of associate with the bitter club? And in fact, <laughs> there are loads of other people who have other experiences. Um, yeah. Um, but I suppose part, sort of historio-philosophically, though, I'd say this. Yeah. Um, maybe the problem with uh, the whole idea of the rules about divorce and marriage is that they are paradoxically not flexible enough because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, for a part of my life, I am still married. I am not single. Yes, yeah? I understand. And that. I opted into that because I am quite an extreme character. And therefore, I quite well, like yeah, you are. an extreme commitment, yeah? And, it, and though that extreme commitment failed, it was as an extreme commitment, yeah? So maybe we should be able to say to we should you know people talk about having prenups for example which i think can be sensible if it stops people being anxious and it allows people to make have thoughts about whatever but maybe we should actually have a situation where maybe this would help the relations between men and women maybe we could we should have a situation where we could create the relationship that we want to then be stamped by society or parts of society um you know um and maybe we should say well for me that would mean we wouldn't share bank accounts but we would share i don't know immovable property or whatever you can make your own list um, yeah. and, um but that's just a that's just a but and maybe that would mean that a man who was concerned about Losing out, for example, in family courts could put his anxiety about yeah. that in and say, should we have children, I'd like to be regarded as a 50% parent, not a 20% parent. Right. And to kind of put that up top. Um, yeah, I, I think you, I think that you're really onto something there because... Oh, it's, it's look, it's a whole difficult issue, isn't it? Because there's part of me that... I really like the concept of marriage. I like the concept of that commitment. There are things about my experience of the world and what I see that also make me realise that it's just not really that practicable to yeah. say you're it and this is it forever because you know what then then shit just continues to happen yeah and it just does and you know it's I, I don't think no one enjoys divorce um no. no one makes that commitment just to back out of it but sometimes you have to. And but, I think that it, I, I think that that's when that, that those court systems do kind of become a bit weaponized. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think you're right. But I suppose I wonder. I wonder whether, and I'm not anti the romantic movement, but the idea that the relationship between a man and a woman is a passionate and enduring love affair, mm. as opposed to, um, I mean, I would, I would, I would put forward, I'd be a, a great advocate for the Wurzel's view of marriage um, because she's got a brand new combine harvester. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what? I reckon that that girl with the combine harvester and the Wurzel were probably still married. Probably. They probably never had great romantic ambitions that died. 
which is, you know, my fault, you know, looking for Mr. Rochester, didn't find him, yeah? And the question is asked is, did he have 20 acres? Yes. Did she have 43? Yes. Was his expectation that they would put the two farms together and use her combine harvesting? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, so therefore, the limited, the limited, uh, what well, seems to me, from my pathetically romantic standpoint, the limited ambition of scope of this relationship um, was successful in its own terms. But then again, is that because they were both being their authentic selves and they were just having yes. to together? But they, but also, and this is again my thing. This is my, this is my big uh, thought about about Christmas, um, which we haven't mentioned because we're not talking about Christmas. But um, I think Christmas has been turned inside out, and that it used to be a communal celebration, and now it's about matching pajamas, and um, it's about consumerism and individualism rather than yes. celebrating in a group. And by the way, by this, I don't mean in this in a Christian sense. Because you could have been jumping through the fire at the solstice, whether it, mm -hmm. you know, with, but you would have done that. Nobody lights a fire for solstice and just wanders round it on their own, or no, with their, or with their little druid children in matching druid yeah. ranks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, we've got the matching mistletoe this year. Yeah, let's go and Everybody find a virgin to sacrifice. All the neighbours and everyone in the community, let's walk around the the fire and. I suppose what I see is I see again this business of being atomized and trying to maintain a relationship, for example, a romantic relationship. I moved around a lot when when we had small children, and Alex and my romantic relationship was really very badly damaged by that because right. we literally went out on three dates in twenty years, three evenings spent together. And that was catastrophic because he liked going out in the evening with women. And so he did. Mm. And when I think, when I look at how life is, if you are in a situation where you have got people around you to support you in every aspect of your life, whether it's looking after you if you're not well, whether it's, supporting you if you're going through a difficult emotional time mm -hmm. it's easier to be married to somebody who's well supported than by someone yes. who isn't yeah and so i think maybe what we've done is we've sometimes we've, we've kind of isolated ourselves in so many ways and then said and now this is going to be marvelous the the idea that this person is all in all to me yeah I, I think there is something about that is, is can we realistically be expect to be to be all things to a person yeah. I think I mean, that's a tremendous amount of pressure to take on. Take, and here's a really good example, I think, for men. <laughs> maybe, getting back to men. Um, I've talked to lots of men, lots and lots of men, who've been into the labour ward with their partners. They right. fall into three categories. One, the chaps, usually middle-class chaps, who say it was a really wonderful spiritual experience. Right. Two, those usually vets or farmers that say, cool, isn't it? It's not cervix, a funny thing when you see it from that angle. Funny, yeah. And 
they, in one case, take the back off the machines to see how they work, this kind of thing, right? Interesting, I bet that went down well. Yes. Um, so then they, so they are basically, they're being very mechanistic about it and intrigued, perhaps. Right. And third, the ones who are horrified and out of their depth. Sure, right? sure. Well, it's scary. Now, now, men are only allowed to be category one. The assumption is that you're to go in, you to rub her back, mm-hmm. you are not to be horrified mm-hmm. by anything that you see, not to mm-hmm. be horrified by someone you love contorted in terrible pain, yeah? Mm-hmm. And if she turns on you, which very often happens, midwives will tell you. Oh, yeah, says, because it's stressed out and in agony yeah. and tired yeah. and hormonal and all that. You maybe can cope or you can't cope. Anyway... So I said, with my first couple of children, my consumer choice was to have my mother with me on the grounds that she'd had nine pregnancies and was a trainer. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I said, best woman in the world, very fond of husband, number of pregnancies he's had, zero. Yeah. Trained nurse, not. Yeah. Yeah. But this was regarded as being incredibly countercultural and actually wicked. Mm. And I was approached by a dozen different professionals saying, change your mind. It's terrible. You're making a bad mistake. Right. I made many mistakes in the early part of my marriage, but that was not one of them. Right. He did not want to be there. He felt badgered into it. And when I said, look, I'd rather have my mother, he said, hooray. Now, yeah, I'm not advocating for fathers not to be there if they want to be. But wouldn't it be nice if men had a real choice that they could say to their wives, am I the person who could support you best? Yeah, because if I am, I will 100% show up for that. Yeah. But if she says, if you spoke honestly about it, she might say, you know, my sister is much calmer in these circumstances. Yeah. Friend, yeah. Or a doula that we hire in. Um, yeah. I, my mother was so good that when we came out, uh, the um, the obst- obstetrician was saying, um, is your mother a professional doula? And I said, no. Right. She should be because she's so good at this, right? Maybe she missed so, a calling there. So what, so what I'm saying is another thing that all men are supposed to do that not all men want to do no. or feel comfortable doing Um but you'd be considered to be a bad man if you didn't. Yes. And you probably it, I, would oh. be a bad man if somebody, if your, if your wife desperately wanted you to be no, there. No, and she said, no, please be there. And you said, no, I'm off down the pub. I think that's a really lousy move. Exactly. It would be. That would be terrible. But if you, yeah. knowing each other well, came to a conclusion that maybe he wasn't the ideal person, but he has hmm. other wonderful qualities. I mean, I was thinking, one of my brothers fainted in the labour ward. And so my poor sister-in-law had to go home with a new baby by herself while he was kept in for observation. Oh, my goodness. But she said, she says absolutely bloody typical. Yeah. Um, it's quite funny. But, but so I suppose I'm just saying that that's another example of how what we ask of men has changed. And no one yes. necessarily asked. Not awesome about it. All yeah. people were happy about it. You know? well, and that's what that's my point about... Um, 
the, the social changes that have happened for women for the better is, is that men are kind of the great unconsulted. Yes, I think that's true. I think that's true. I mean, and on that bombshell, I think we're going to yeah. leave it because if I don't pee, I'm going to die. And and you have been brilliant with your cough and not. not oh, thank you. Ugly. Right. Um, we'll mill the air again very soon. AD. Very soon. Very soon. But Good. we hope that Marv made up for it. We don't think that you will want to kill your kids. And no. Yeah. You didn't get Absolutely. any hate mail for that. I was quite not, impressed at the lack of hate mail. All. So well done, everyone, for being so restrained. Right. And um, Happy New Year or who's a new year as we say in Wales. Bye-bye. Lovely. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.